The Institute of Directors professional development programmes equip learners with the knowledge, skills and mindset to be enterprising and innovative, enabling organisations to become more productive and competitive. The IOD's programmes ensure directors develop an awareness of their interpersonal skills, legal and business knowledge, financial acumen, ethical questioning, decision-making abilities and the highest standards of professional conduct. The IOD is the only institute in the world to offer internationally recognised qualifications designed by directors for directors under Royal Charter. For more information on IOD training, visit iod.com today. Welcome to the Institute of Directors Business Podcast, a podcast where we interview directors from all over Scotland about their careers and business. I am your host, Marlene Lowe, UK Director for Four Bytes and long-term IOD member. Today we speak with Anna MacDonald. She's a Scottish singer, musician, writer, actor and medical doctor that's turned her attention to philanthropic work. And there's two stories here. One is Play for Progress, which is a foundation that she set up with co-founder Alison Fraser that aims to deliver therapeutic and educational music and arts programs, as well as advocacy and well-being support for unaccompanied minor refugees. The second is the Association of Exiled Scots, which she set up with Gaelic singer Ainsley Hamill. And together they've created a community away from home for exiled Scots the world over. Their mission is to promote Scottish music, language, art and culture, as well as nurture Scottish talent by providing a platform for performances, exhibitions and bespoke in-conversation events. Enjoy! just outside well, in and just outside of Glasgow a, a very medical family um, so I sort of followed the family career into medicine um, but I've also got a very musical family and I was always doing music and always writing and I decided after I qualified that I would do my first couple of years and then just take a year and do some music for a while because medicine's yeah. pretty full on um, and essentially I never went back to medicine full time I dipped my toe in um occasionally but never never went back to it. I started doing more and more music yeah. and was making the decision really to move away from medicine um wanted to focus on one thing um and whilst doing that realized that I still wanted to be doing something that was giving back and philanthropic in in some sort of manner and that kind of aligned nicely with founding Play for Progress which works with unaccompanied mm -hmm. refugee kids um, and we do that through music, art, advocacy, education and therapy. And we started purely working through music and all of the other things have grown organically. They've been um, a result of the children coming to us with different needs. And whilst all this was going on, um, I also was quite missing the culture from home. And again, at just the right time, I met um, the wonderful Ainsley Hamill, who is a Gaelic singer, yeah. and we set up the Association of Exiled Scots, and it's a way to connect with culture, it's a way to give, provide platforms for Scottish artists in London and, and globally, um, it's now developed a merch line due to popular demand, and we do a little bit of production as well. Yeah, 
That's so exciting. So I can see on your LinkedIn bio that you said that you're a singer as well. So what, what are your music choices and what do you tend to sing? Hmm, so I'm a singer songwriter. So I tend to, I sing stories. Um, it's quite, the music world is really interesting and in that you get people who are instrumentalists and they tell their story and they communicate and they, they really speak through their instrument and what they choose to play and how they choose to play it. I think I come much more from the sort of oral um, storytelling tradition so it's yeah. all about the person and the story and what happened next um, and uh, you know I took a year out of med school to go to learn Gaelic at the Solmorostig in Skye so I've got you know I've got a bit of Gaelic in my background my family's from Skye mm. um, that sort of folklore mythology legend I love that and I love a good story um, yeah. I don't think there'll be any problem with me talking entirely <laughs> I love stories as well. There's nothing quite like a story, is there? <laughs> How, what a better way to um, share common humanity and, and perhaps learn. Perhaps not. You know, there's not there's <laughs> a lot of learning from history um, recently, but, you know, we can only hope. <laughs> so what is the story behind helping refugees? What, what was it that made you decide that's what you wanted to do? I had been out in Iraq a couple of times and that sounds quite random but actually I was out there doing a Burns night and quite often when I'm singing Burns I'll start by introducing a song and saying you know this man has got me into more trouble than any other man thus far <laughs> in my life. Um, so I was out there doing a Burns night and from that the, the Burns night was a fundraiser um, for a local orphanage and at that time there was only one orphanage in Erbil and just very, very briefly, Erbil is in Kurdistan and uh, Kurdistan is a, a region that's split between Iran, Iraq, Syria and Turkey and the Kurdish people are, are split for those four countries. So there's a lot, that's a very hot spot. There's a lot, a lot going on there. Um, and obviously the, the war was ongoing uh, and there was this one orphanage and the, the, um, the building was okay. They weren't really able to do very much with the kids and I think that um, when you have a community where everyone's traumatised it's, it's really difficult to know how to even start to communicate and start the healing process. Um, you know once medicine, safety, food, water are dealt with, once your basic needs are dealt with, how do you then start putting that back together? Um, and I came back from that trip and as it happened Alison Fraser, who I co-founded Play for Progress with, had just come back from a sort of similar trip to um, a very poor area in India. And we were sitting talking, you know, we don't have any money, we don't have any power, and we have absolutely zero influence. So what, what could we actually do in this situation? And again, one of these sort of serendipitous moments, the Deutsche Bank Award for Creative Enterprise was coming up, and you go and you pitch for this. And we went and we pitched and we won, and we were like, oh, Wow. Okay. <laughs> so initially we set up to um, go to areas of post-conflict and that we, we began to find quite quickly that we couldn't utilise a lot of what were going to be our biggest assets. So we had a lot of musicians who are very socially aware saying, what can I do? What mm -hmm. can I do? And we had a lot of people that were willing to give instruments and um, a lot of people willing to give time but what we were initially working with was the idea of going somewhere for a month maybe yeah. a couple of times a year and that's asking people to commit to that asking them to commit to it on an ongoing basis is huge and we also began to find that it was much harder to get anything funded 
um, in countries outside the UK. And again, just one of those moments we had a chat with the Refugee Council's children's section, which is based in Croydon in the UK, and started to provide music classes for them. That went really well. We then started to look around for um, tutors. It's a very different thing we ask of our music tutors. It's not just about teaching an instrument. It's you're working with, you know, you're walking into a room where a lot of the kids are incredibly traumatised. Um, you're working in second and third languages. You're working with a group where there are, um, you know, where different peoples are, are at war at home. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in those rooms. So we have developed this philosophy about how we set up our room to make it very open and welcoming. Our tutors are there. There's tea. There's there's food. People can mill. They can, if they want, they can come in and dance and get instruments out. If they want, they can go and sit in the quiet space. It's been a real learning process. And from that, we realised a lot of the music the kids were bringing us was music from home. But yeah. often it's contemporary music from home. So we then okay. set up a recording, arranging a writing class on a Thursday night. And so they could take stuff away because that's what's cool. And yeah. it also led to the development of our therapy department, which we now do one-to-one -one therapies and a group therapy class. And it's all, like I say, um, based around creative and the arts therapy because words, yeah, we're working in... 10 different languages sometimes and actually all the research we have shows that trauma is held in the body um, so from that we then also developed our educational department and then on from that advocacy because the system is um, creaking. Yeah I was actually um, listening to a podcast well I was in a like a workshop that was around handling pain and that discussion actually came up about trauma and how stress and trauma were linked and how pain or consistent pain was linked to whether or not you'd had trauma in your past as well. Um, and I, just, I found it fascinating how much the body actually retains long after you've left a trauma behind um, and how often that can come up and really, really be deep rooted into your psyche. Um, but music has for a long time been used as a therapy, hasn't it? It's always been something that's been advocated for. Or am I, or am I just, <laughs> am I wrong with that? And I just love music, so that's why I'm aware of it. <laughs> Not only are you right, but even before we knew that's what it was being used for, that's what it yeah. was being used for. And as somebody with a medical background, this was a whole new area of learning for me and actually went against, not, not against the grain per se, but... In medicine you're very much taught to you know to treat the symptoms and this mm. is what you do and actually um so much of this learning for me has been incredibly informative and has really um it's had a huge influence on in how i have moved forward in, in all of my work um, yeah. for example alison and i who run play for progress are also in what we jokingly refer to as couples therapy <laughs> We have uh, our, our um, head of therapy put us in touch with um, someone who would be, if you were speaking in a therapy terms, their supervisor. So if as a therapist you do this many hours a week, you have to spend this many hours with your supervisor as a balance, as a counterbalance, as a check-in. So Ali and I have a supervisor. I mean, we call it therapy. It's, it's therapy for us. Um, she, yeah. would call it, she would call it supervision. It's definitely therapy. Oh, couples counselling. <laughs> 
that seems to really work in tandem with what you've got with the Association of Exiled Scots. It, it's all very music focused. So do you find that your two roles, the two kind of work together or are they very separate in your world? They, they have to be very separate. Um, actually, sort of from a business part point of view, it's hmm. um, the association is a commercial enterprise. So yeah. we arrange events, we make things for people, we um, put on classes, you know, we teach. Um, we have a traditional music school um, yeah. and that is one element of it and it, we can certainly cross employ musicians you know and I know how to do all the setup for that and all these things but they are separate entities um, and yeah. that said whenever possible the Association of Exile Scots will sponsor a Play for Progress event because that you know that just I think sense. that sounds perfectly reasonable personally <laughs> So do you work with both of them in equal measure or is there one that attracts more of your time? Because the association is a lot newer than Play for Progress. So has there been that balance of finding out how to juggle both at the same time or what does the structure look like in either of them? I mean, there's definitely, it's all, every day is a learning day, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so during, uh, Play for Progress is now at the stage where we're moving from stand-up to start-up. So we're really pleased. We've been strengthening our board. We're looking to further strengthen our board. Um, and that has felt, so as, as a founder, as a co-founder of that, that has felt like moving forward in that there's been a bit of delegation, dare I say it, and um, yeah. a bit of letting go. And that, if you want something to grow and be able to, to live on its own, then that is the next step. So we've started that. So that feels a bit like that process is now underway. Otherwise, the association like you say is very new so we're still piloting different things seeing what works we're still um pleasantly surprised that we have good numbers for our <laughs> step dance class and our uh, gallic song class um, and like i say we've just because of what's been happening around the world recently we've probably concentrated more on those than our and our merch line than we initially than was in our business plan for this year I mean, yeah. that's, that's part of um, the joy of running a small business is it's not that difficult to pivot. You just have to be prepared to get creative. Yeah. And do you feel that this, um, as you can hear, I'm not a Scot. So for me, the, the concept of um, Scot pride is, I, just, I find it so atmospheric and, and charming. But do you think that that Scottish pride has a lot to do with how the association has grown? Because you mentioned the step and the Gaelic and stuff. I think there's a lot of commonality and I think there's a lot of them um, I think Scots are very open as, as a nation and when you're not in Scotland so when I first moved to London I used to love when I bumped into a Scottish person because they were the only people that could understand me yeah <laughs> there's, there's something so lovely about using a Scottish phrase you know not on purpose not on purpose but just yeah that's what you make sure you don't have to think about what you're saying because you're in front of someone that understands <laughs> and someone understands and it's it's yeah. that feeling of oh, i'll just get the kettle on and in fact the reason i met Ainsley, who i run the association with is because i got this email from her saying hi i've just moved to london my boyfriend says that i should get in touch with you you've done you know you're doing music in london and i was like great yep brilliant so we met up had a cup of tea and got on like a house on fire Mm. And then at the end, when, when she was leaving, I said, oh, Ainsley, um, by the way, who, who is your boyfriend? And she was kind of laughing. She's like, oh, you don't know him. He just Googled Scottish singers in London. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And I was like, what? And she said, I know, I didn't get in touch with you for ages because I thought that would be awful, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> and look what's happened now with that. <laughs> that's, it. that's it, isn't it? Look, look at the next day. <laughs> so that's tell it. me more, where, where, so you mentioned London and the world, but where, where are you? Like, where, where are the people? Where is your client base? So it has mainly been in London. Um, we started off, and to be honest, pre-pandemic, um, most of our work was events. You know, we did bespoke events with the Scottish Government, Scotland House, all of these different um, places that are looking specifically for um, high-level Scottish talent. And we would bring that in. And we often, you know, sat down and pitched themes and to see what would work the best and got really quite into um, involved in that but since this has happened like I say we've had to pivot quite a bit which has been great because it's meant that we can expand our client base to you know we've had inquiries from America Canada Australia and it, now it's more about finding a time where yeah. dance clans will work for everyone and um, how you know how much is postage to Australia these days <laughs> when, when it's to get there so yeah there's there's it's massively expanded what we can do and, and because we are starting off and we don't have many overheads it's not been it's not been too much of a problem yeah so you mentioned your plans had changed this year the direction that you thought you were going to go in so what is the new direction so it's much more um merch line and online classes based currently and we're just looking at um how best to expand that we've just launched our range of t-shirts mm -hmm. um and are already like we're already really pleased with how they've been received. We've done, yeah, we, yeah, people seem to love them. Um and we're doing quite a bit more writing just now. So we did a wee bit of production, um, sort of Gaelic comedy sketches, and we're going to do a bit more of that. And we're we're also slightly dabbling in um advertising and marketing just now. Yeah. Some people have approached us, so we've taken up the challenge. That's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> exciting, yeah. I'm just on your website right now and I love the fact that you've got a unicorn in it. I, I, I love that Scots are so proud of the unicorn. <laughs> I think it's amazing. So what type of people would, would you expect to get in touch with you to get help? Musical, people that just want to know more about Scotland, that need that home? Yeah, so there's a lovely um, sort of three line phrase like Scotland belongs to everyone Scotland is everywhere Scotland is now like that is the theme and we see this all the time we work a lot with the Scottish Business Network and yeah. along with them we we see these people around the globe who are looking to reconnect with Scotland whether they are you know they have heritage there whether they are from Scotland or whether they the work trade with the Scots um, people are really interested there's a lot there it's got such a rich history so it, really anyone um, Scottish events you know we're now doing these virtual postcards where last week Ainsley dropped into someone's Zoom birthday party to sing for them Lovely. Um, and we'd actually done a wee kind of this is your life introduction to it for them as well yeah um, we are doing our events have now gone online our classes have gone online um, we're hoping that won't be for too much longer because there's nothing like a good a good chin wag but we're working with what we have at the moment yeah hopefully you'll be starting Kayleigh's all over London again <laughs> I love a good Kayleigh 
So if yeah. people want to get in touch with you, they go to the association of exiledscots.com, right? Correct. So we've got a few questions and I'm just going to pick a few of them that I think would, would be interesting to learn about you. Um, so one of them is what keeps you awake at night? <laughs> I pick such easy questions. <laughs> On a sort of philosophical level, um, the way the world is moving, it feels quite a scary time for lots mm -hmm. of different reasons just now. Okay, what is your greatest recurring challenge you come across in your role? And what is your strategy for dealing with it? So in Playful Progress, it's definitely working with um, the system these mm -hmm. kids deal with uh, regularly. They will have an age assessment. That's one set of lawyers. They're immigration um, status lawyers. That's two sets of lawyers they deal with. Mm -hmm. Mental health, um, housing and education. So you have all of these different things that are just floating around and nobody um, is really there for all of them. Um, yeah. So we see a lot of the same issues in the system. And um, the way that I deal with that is we have a great management team at Playful Progress and we talk these things through and that takes the edge off anything and yeah. also allows you to um, yeah, have a bit of fun with, with what, you're, what you're dealing with and keep it, keep it um, as stress-free as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and with the Association of Exile Scots, it's, it's always just with the changes that we've been through since we started it's just keeping on top of that and um, like I say we're still relatively new so we're working towards making sure that um, what we're offering is what what the market is looking for. Yeah so the other one I think is quite relevant to what's happening globally. Um, I've had a lot of discussions lately with people about what what leadership is and what it means going forward um, so I'd like to hear your insights into what what makes a good leader and how do you feel that you encompass that leadership? So I, I would say that the, the biggest thing I have learned about being in a leadership role is how much you have to learn. Mm -hmm. And I think the best way to do that is to listen. Um, there are definitely times when decisions need to be made and you need to be decisive in those moments. But if you have been listening, then you, should, you know that will make it a lot easier. Um, listen, take advice. Um, I think they're the most important things in leadership. Yeah. And for taking for taking your team with you, that's the big thing. You know, in teams like Play for Progress, where our tutors, we pay everybody, um, but, you know, our tutors continually go above and beyond. And I think that's the ethos of the company. You know, we make sure they're looked after. Um, we have artist reflective sessions. We have check-ins and check-outs at every session. Um, we are acutely aware of what we're asking them to do. So we're also yeah. ensure that we are always available to talk to them and to discuss things and ensure that they know that we listen to. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. The Institute of Directors is in the heart of all major cities and continues to represent your point of view as a business leader, both locally and nationally. Our objective is to ensure that your views are taken into account when the government is reviewing policy, legislation, or seeking the opinions of the wider business community. 
If you're interested in joining the IOD, please visit www.iod.com. Also take the opportunity to listen to our other IOD podcast, Policy Voice. To join the conversation and share your thoughts in today's episode, engage with us on Twitter or join the IOD LinkedIn Scotland group. We hope the rest of your week goes well and look forward to sharing another episode with you next week. Bye.